The Down in a Heap podcast from Rob C. is one of the only podcasts that I can stand to listen to. I'm Froth from the Thought Eater podcast, and I approve this message. In old school games where life is cheap, no, don't be a dope, bring a pole and a rope. Whatever you do, try not to go. No, don't go down in a heap. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Down in a Heap podcast. I'm your host, Rob, podcasting to you live from beautiful Northeast Minneapolis. The top of the show, you heard froth from the pot <laughs> from the Thought Eater podcast and blog. Followed up, bringing the Christmas cheer is Safer from the Safer Fantasy Crafting podcast, doing his Christmas rendition of my song. So thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And we are hip deep in the Christmas season now. It's been crazy, crazy, crazy at work. Uh, just nonstop. Uh, I don't know. If there is some kind of economic downturn, I sure don't notice it. <laughs> Not at my store. It's booming. Um, uh, to the point where I had to cancel uh, my gaming sessions here for the next two weeks because I'm just completely burnt out. Uh, I get home, eat dinner, and I'm dozing off on the couch at 7.30, going to in bed by 7.30, 8 o'clock every night, and, uh, and then back at it the next day. Today I'm podcasting mainly because I woke up at 3 in the morning and just lay there in bed thinking about work, and uh, thought, I'm not going to think about work anymore. I'm going to go down and finally record a podcast addressing some of the calls I've received, um, which we will get to momentarily. But first, uh, I missed it, but on December 10th, 2018, I launched this kooky podcast that was the first episode I did, uh, and it's now been five years since I dropped that initial podcast. Seems hard to believe that it's gone on this long. Um, <laughs> I never I never expected it to really last 20 episodes, let alone uh, five years and 280-some episodes. And, you know, it's, there's certainly been a lot of people that have been doing it longer than me, and a lot of people that have been a lot more prolific than me. Um, I think the, one of the main reasons why I've, I've done it this long is that I don't set any kind of, um, other, (laughs) other than OSR October, I guess I don't really set up any kind of schedule and I don't, um, yeah, I just, I just podcast when I feel like I have something to say or when I've got quite a bit of feedback and want to have like a call in bonanza kind of thing. Um, but that's what works for me, not putting pressure on myself to put out, you know, a, a podcast every week or a podcast every Friday or Monday and Friday or whatever, you know, that works for some people to keep them on task and stuff. But for me, anytime I set up obligations for myself, it's usually disaster. So that's, you know, that's what I'll keep doing, just uh, recording these things whenever I have a topic that I find interesting or a, a new game or game supplement that I want to 
share and talk about. Um, and uh, when I when I hear back from you guys, so yeah. For, first and foremost, I want to you know acknowledge some of the some of the guys that kind of got me into listening to podcasts, and even once I discovered Anchor, uh, you know thought, well, maybe I could do this too. I don't know. I probably won't be as good as uh, some of these other people, but I like talking about games and sometimes I feel like the guys in my group get tired of talking about some of the minutia around games and stuff. Um, but yeah, old Jason Hobbs over at Hobbs and Friends and Random Screed, Colin Green at Spike Pit, Tim Shorts at Gothridge Manor, Larry Hamilton at Follow Me and Die, John Large, Red Dice Diaries, Matt Jackson with Matt Random Podcast, Chuck Thorne, Playing It Wrong, Ray Otis, Plundergrounds, Jay Murphy, Vanishing Tower, uh, the peeps at, uh, well, what was Save or Die Podcast and now become Save for Half Podcast. Uh, those are really the, the podcasts I was listening to before I started podcasting and kind of gave me uh, the incentive to go at it. And then there's, you know, there's been so many podcasts that have started since then. Some of them and some of the original people still going, right? And like Tankar, uh, Tankar's Tavern had the long running podcast that got moved over to, to YouTube and, um, and there's a lot of great YouTube channels, too. Um, but I just want to acknowledge some of the other people that have really contributed to the show over the years and provided me with um, great feedback and great uh, ideas and uh, and just conversation and camaraderie. So Jason Connerly, Daniel Norton, Evil Jeff, Joe Richter, Taylor, Spencer, Goblin's Henchman, DJ... Froth, Rich Frazier, Pink Phantom, Kevin over at Red Caps, Cody Mazza, Menion, Safer, Carl Rodriguez, Roy, Joe the Lawyer, Logan Howard. Um, you know, there's, I'm probably overlooking people and stuff too. I just kind of scrolled back through where I got messages from recently or, <laughs> well, maybe not so recently in some cases, but, um, yeah. And, you know, even if you've never called in or emailed me or had any, uh, conversation via discord, even if all you, you, you've just been a listener. Thanks for, for listening. Uh, cause even just once in a while, when I do look at how many listens I get and stuff, uh, all those numbers kind of keep me going, you know, make me realize that there are people listening to my kooky podcast and, uh, give me incentive to keep doing it. So, but I'll, uh, can all this stuff and, uh, move on to what you're probably really interested in hearing. And that's some of the other people that have called in. And first up, we've got BJ from the arcane alienist. Take it away, BJ. Hey Rob, it's BJ. I hope you get this. I miraculously the button to actually send directly through Spotify for podcasters showed up. I've been searching for it for months to try to send people messages and haven't found it. So maybe you're uh, maybe it's karma making up for taking away Discord from you. I, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I just want to say I really enjoyed your uh, into the box 
um, episode. I've, I've been tooling around with a little bit of myself, trying to mix BX with some stuff from Nave. So it was nice to hear a play test. Um, maybe I should actually play test some stuff out instead of just sort of theory crafting it in my head. Um, so you give me a little bit of inspiration there. Anyway, great episode. Hope to hear more about it. Take care of yourself and have a, have, have a happy Thanksgiving. Hey, thanks for the call, BJ. I appreciate it. I did have a good Thanksgiving. Um, <laughs> it's, I can tell how long some of these messages have been, uh, hanging out in my inbox here. So sorry. It's, it's taken me so long to respond to some of these. Um, and I'll, I guess I'll need to look at the Spotify for podcasters site and see if I can, uh, find a button or something to send messages to. I've been ever since anchor took away or Spotify took away that function, which was the other than the like free podcasting and distribution was the best thing for this platform. Why on earth they made it more difficult? I, I don't know, but maybe it's, it's easier now again, and I'll have to look into that and try and contribute, uh, to the scene in more ways than just blabbering on my own podcast. But, uh, yeah. And you bring up Nave too. Uh, um, I, yeah, that would be fun to hear you, uh, noodle around with, with some mashups and stuff. And Nave second edition is just right around the corner. It's release. Uh, they're collecting, uh, the final postage fees and stuff like that for the pod or for the, the Kickstarter. So, that usually means shipping is right around the corner, so I bet sometime in January I'll probably have the Nave Second Edition rule book in my hands. I'm looking forward to it. I I have seen the Ben Milton, the creator, has been really good about sending out what he's uh, a PDF uh, each time he makes like revisions and stuff like that. So um, so I have been checking it out and it looks like it's going to be a really cool game so um yeah if if you have the opportunity um i i think it's worth checking out um it'll probably be up on kickstarter or not kickstarter drive-through shortly after the kickstarter fulfills and stuff and um yeah I'm, i'm sure i'll do a review at some point but uh yeah thanks for the feedback bj i appreciate it and i'm glad you enjoyed uh those into the box episodes. Hey Rob, Jason here. You know, I didn't find the playthrough boring. I thought it was fascinating. I really liked the way you did it, where you kind of tracked in both systems to see the differences. Surprisingly, there while there definitely are differences in your into the box definitely would resolve a little bit quicker. They're closer than I thought they would be. So I, I found that pretty fascinating. I personally would enjoy hearing another playthrough, but I can understand you thinking it's boring. Honestly, that's kind of why I'm not going to be putting my solo campaign up at all because I can't imagine listening to myself go through all that. I think that would be boring as heck, um, which is interesting because I didn't find yours boring, but maybe that's a psychological thing. Anyhow, happy Thanksgiving. I know you're probably going to have to work today. Hopefully you guys close early and you have a little bit of time to enjoy yourself back back at home. But I will talk to you again soon. Take care. Yeah, isn't that funny how 
a lot of people, myself included, uh, think uh, the things they put out are really boring and stuff, and, and and other people do something a lot better or a lot more engaging when they go about doing something like an actual play or a um, or a recap of some game session or something like that. I think some people make those really exciting, and other people not so much. And um, so I totally get where you're coming from, Jason. And I've, I have found some people's run-throughs of game mechanics to be really fascinating, especially when it's like some kind of innovative thing that they've come up with and they're kind of detailing how it would work at the table and running through it and stuff. I, I love listening to those things. On the other hand, some of the things I've listened to like that kind of are, are really dry as a bone, just like actual plays, too. Some of the actual plays I've listened to have been like, ugh, <laughs> I, hope, <laughs> I hope my game sessions don't seem this bad, while others are, uh, are really cool and like provide insight into how other people run games and how players react to different situations and stuff. I, I haven't found many, well, I haven't given actual plays much of a chance, mainly because they're usually really long and uh, they're often video format, which sucks down the battery life of my phone so quickly and stuff, and isn't as uh, conducive to just listening to while you're commuting or doing the dishes or vacuuming or shoveling or whatever it is you're doing. Cause sometimes they're interacting with like on a uh, like a live thing. There's a a text feed at the bottom too, and they'll react to something that someone does in that. And, and if you're not like looking, you don't even know what the hell they're reacting to. So it, it makes for kind of confusing listening to sometimes if you're not actually watching the video. Anyway, I'm glad you enjoyed what, uh, I put out for into the box and, uh, Thanksgiving, my, the grocery store I work at is actually closed Thanksgiving. Um, one of three days were closed <laughs> in uh, in the year. Just uh, Easter, Thanksgiving, and Christmas Day. Those are the only days were closed, unless there's some kind of catastrophe. So, uh, yeah. But uh, now we'll move on to uh, some calls from a new caller, Michael, who has also started a new podcast called Merc the Meek. So check that out and take it away, Michael. Welcome to the penthouse, Bendar. Hello, Rob. This is Michael, a first-time caller. I've heard about you from other podcasts like um, Jason from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast and Bandits Keep. Uh, I just got done listening to your Into the Box episode, the first one. So maybe this message will be irrelevant. Uh, after I listened to some of the other stuff you've posted since then, but I find it very interesting. I I do like Into the Odd um, and how they try to streamline combat, make it quicker. So uh, I'm curious to see where this goes. Uh, I just also wanted to comment on the fact that 5e is still definitely Rock'em Sock'em robots. And yeah, you can quite easily miss very often, or do minimum damage, and combat is a slog. So, for what it's worth, there it is. 
Take care. Hey, Michael. I'm glad you found my podcast. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, um, Into the Odd is great. I love it. I love all of the stuff that Chris McDowell does. I backed the recent Kickstarter for Mythic Bastion Land, his uh, more medieval, uh, courtly knight kind of setting in the past of the Into the Odd and Bastion Land settings. And uh, he's got some new mechanics in that game that address more like medieval uh, style combat and stuff, which, I mean, all, all of his innovations are probably going to be better than anything I come up with. But uh, I do like taking inspiration from other games to try and improve the or make the game, games I'm currently playing operate in a way I prefer. So, uh, so yeah, um, you know, and what I'm doing for this into the box thing, it might be better to <laughs> reverse engineer it and take some of the stuff from BX and import it into the odd instead. But uh, I suppose it could be a two way street like that. Um, anything else? Well, Michael's got some more things here to, oh, the 5e thing, yeah, even with getting, like, a proficiency bonus, a plus two, and maybe having a plus three attribute bonus, so you're plus five to hit, you're still, if you're attacking someone with a AC 14 or 15, you're still missing half the time, so yeah, there there's definitely is still a rock'em, sock'em robots effect in 5e, especially with the inflated hit points, um, it may be, you, you score hits more often than in classic D&D, uh, but with the inflated hit points, um, I think you basically keep getting the same effect. So yeah, I don't think, uh, I don't think they really fixed anything for me. Uh, they maybe made it feel like you're progressing more by hitting more often, but yeah, with the inflated hit points, it, it just kind of the same net effect. So I agree with you. Hello, Rob. This is Michael. I guess now I'm a second time caller. I just got done listening to your play test of uh, the combat for Into the Box. So I was trying to follow along. Um, so yeah, if you count no damage hits as misses in, in into the box. Eight misses to BX's 15. So about half as many misses and therefore twice as many hits, roughly. You're counting those no damage hits. And then for damage, it's about a about one and a half more damage done in into the box because you actually have more and uh, you have more downed enemies. You still have that same PC. So very interesting result. So it seems that this combat system really speeds things up, getting to a morale check and possible breaking a lot quicker than a normal battle would in BX. Um, I, I still like Into the Odd. I like the elegance of the three stats that they have and how you can take damage to each of those, and that will in turn um, impact how well you can check so you've got to be smart about your combats, avoiding them where you can. Um, I Yeah, I prefer less combat, more shenanigans, more um, 
puzzle solving, etc. in my games anyway. But um, this certainly is a good uh, compromise, I suppose, if a group really wants to play D&D-style combat, but you want to speed it up, this could certainly do a good job of that. So thanks for the experiment. Really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for the follow-up there, Michael. I appreciate it, and I really appreciate you kind of going into in-depth and counting the amount of hits and the amount of damage in both systems and stuff. That That's something I, <laughs> I failed to do, but is good kind of after-action analysis so twice as many hits, that's exactly kind of what I want to happen. And if I had thought it through more, I would have realized that you'd get to morale checks more often. I think that is a, a benefit. Now, I won't really know how this works until I get it out of the theory craft of just playing solo and get it to the table and have the people in my group actually play through it and get into all kinds of different situations like, you know, ambushes and missile fire and stuff. And, um, so, uh, and having magic play more of a role and stuff and how that interweaves with, the with the changes to the combat system. But at first blush, I think this does, uh, solve some of my issues with classic D&D combat. So I do want to try it at some point. I also don't want to just force the people in my group to adopt it. And I haven't really pushed at all to try and do it yet. I've, I've just kind of eh, mentioned it as an aside to, to the guys in my group, but no one, if, they, if they've listened to the episodes, uh, none of them have said, hey, let's try that uh, in the current Planet Eris game. So right now, Planet Eris is still just operating in, in uh, the OSE advanced rules uh, with a few of my house rule tinkering, but not into the box. So uh, the next campaign I run, if, if it's going to be another classic D&D game, I might say hey let's try this and see if if they're interested and and if that's the case i'll certainly keep everyone apprised as to how it goes in the meantime i probably will do one or two more podcast run-throughs of different situations to see how it plays out and if um if my one one through was just like a little aberration that happened to coalesce and and work out how I hoped it would, or if it was, yeah, if it was just a, a fluke. And, um, yeah, Into the Odd, I, again, I really like that game. I'd, I'd like to play more of it at some point. Um, the, the auto hit is a little bit of a stumbling block for me. I think I can, I can wrap my head around it for melee, but I'd maybe try the into-the-box kind of thing in Into the Odd for missile weapons and require some kind of to-hit roll or maybe a dex check or something for uh, those involved in missile fire to score a hit. Um, but because that just doesn't seem like you'd automatically... I don't know. I know hit protection in Into the Odd is different than hit points in D&D, &D, kind of, sort of, but <laughs> anyway, 
Thanks for the calls, Michael, and the feedback. I really appreciate it. And uh, now we'll move on to someone that we haven't heard, at least on my podcast, for a while. We hear him a lot on Bandit's Keep and Monsters and Treasure. Daniel Norton, take it away. It's about time you showed up. Hey, Rob. Daniel from Bandit's Keep calling in. I, uh been slacking on making calls, but also on listening. So I caught up on your last three episodes with the into the box idea and then the into the box kind of specifics and then in Jason's call and then the into the box play test, which I didn't think it was boring at all, but that's the kind of thing I like. <laughs> I, I think it was admirable that you were doing both at the same time. That's I, That was, yeah, that's tough to balance. So good on you for that. But I think it's really interesting because the system, as you are presenting it, seems pretty cool. It doesn't – and what's funny is it seems like unlike – I guess what I'm going to say is when people go into making changes to the games, it's good if they have a very good idea of what it is that they don't like and that they want to kind of – I'm going to say fix. I'm like air-quoting here. And I think you do. That is to say some people – like let's say oversimplify a game because they think they want simple, but then they lose all the the fun of it. Or some people make things more complicated because they think it'd be cool and then it's terrible at the table. <laughs> but what you want is to to have more exchanges make a difference and speed up the combat. And I do think, especially in BX, because of the morale system, that that will happen. Because as soon as you take out an enemy, you you know you're going to trigger that morale, and that could immediately shift the battle. So. Being able to take somebody out much faster, which I think will be the case in the system, even with the armor protection and stuff, is a pretty cool idea. I guess I'm curious how it will play out long term with the healing as far as the hit points and getting back a hit die versus, you know, uh, getting all your hit points back like you do it into the odd. Now, I could be wrong because it's been a while since I've read Into the Odd, but I do believe that in Into the Odd, when you have any strength damage, so in your case, it would be con damage, you can't get hit points back at all. So I don't know if you did that or not. It was kind of, you did say bring back one con. So I guess maybe you did do that, but I can't remember if you gave them hit points as well. So yeah, that would be the, the thing that I think that's where kind of your death spiral starts and into the odd is that if you, if you get below that zero level, and that's the reason why you want to keep your hit points up, right? Because of course, in into the odd, there's no, unless there's a magic device that does it or arcanum. I don't think there's anything that heals your strength. You just have to rest for it. So your hit points, you know, need to heal, if you will, quicker because of that. Of course, I think you also have less, right? It's only a D6. So, well, depends on the class, I suppose. So, yeah, pretty cool. I thought it was really interesting. I'd like to see more of it, you know, or hear more about your results from it. Obviously, there's more to a combat system or any system, right, than just playing it out. It's got to be at the table with your friends. So hopefully they are willing to give it a shot. And it'd be interesting to see how it plays out over the course of, you know, a dozen game sessions to see how much of a difference it makes. I mean, there's no way, unless you track all your roles like you did, which would be incredibly tedious, it's not going to be easy to know what it's really doing. But I think we have a sense, right? And as long as when you're at the table, if it feels like the combat is, you know, less kind of, oh, okay, we just keep missing each other. I think that's good. I think, you know, if you get that feel at the table, oh, sorry for that gap there. <laughs> I coughed. So I cut that out for you so you wouldn't have a cough in your uh, call. Um, anyways, uh, you know, as long as you're getting that feel at your table, I think that's what we would go for, right? I've said this before. Like, when people say combats take too long, I don't think the actual number or the actual minutes that anything takes in the game, whether it be combat or shopping or looking up a rule, <laughs> you know, it doesn't, it doesn't 
matter the exact number of amount of time on a lot of levels. It matters how long it feels like it takes. So if you've got a combat that feels like it's faster, that's what you want. Even if in the end, it doesn't actually save any time, right? So I like it though. I like the idea of hitting more often. You know, I, I wonder too, if the, yeah, I guess the only thing I was thinking when you first did it was, I wonder if you didn't want to just go auto hits. I know that's weird for missile weapons, but I think in Into the Odd, you have to, maybe they get a save or something when you shoot a missile at them. I can't exactly remember how that works. So it's not automatic for missiles as far as I remember. But again, maybe you don't want to have multiple rules for the same kind of thing, and it's easy just to keep a low target number. And also, maybe it's nice to sometimes miss. So I don't think it's a bad thing. And people do love to roll that D20, right? <laughs> Anyways, I think it's really great. Uh, I love what you're doing. I mean, I've listened to all the episodes up to this point. I can't remember some of the other things I would have commented on. So I will try to call in more often. You know, frankly, it's not that much harder to send you an email than it is to send it on Discord. So I will uh, I'll do that. <laughs> I just have to do it. And we'll see. I say that. And we'll see. It is uh, 1139. Uh, we'll see when I actually get a chance to send this. You won't know when I sent it. So I guess that doesn't actually matter. So anybody listening is probably like, why is Daniel leaving a long message that doesn't make any sense? And I would say that's because that's what Daniel does. Hey, Daniel. Great to hear from you again. Thanks for all that content. Lots to respond to there. I, I do agree with you that there's a big difference between... Um, just kind of thinking about things and how they'd work in a game versus actually playing at the table. I also agree with your assessment that when we think about things taking too long, it's really a matter, it's more about the feel of it than the actual time involved. If it feels like it's taking forever, um, it just means that the pacing is is wrong or maybe even where it comes in a game session if you start out with a really slow kind of thing at the beginning of the session it may make the whole session kind of feel like it's dragging um, and just you know the mood of the people there's there's just like we've talked about before there's so many variables involved with how a game session plays feels how much enjoyment people have is is based just around how they're their mood at that particular point in time and how things flow in that game and stuff. And sometimes it's not at all about the rules or the scenario. It's just about the, the group vibe uh, going on. So it's really hard to make assessments like that. Um, uh, and I think you only really get a good feel for that when you've played with the same people for a long, long time. And then you can kind of, really pick up on when things are are messed up because of a game system or because the scenario just isn't working, um, then I, I, I think you just have a better feel for a base, like, <laughs> uh, quali session quality kind of thing uh, for your group. So, yeah, but, but I do hope to eventually play this and play through it. Um, it... I'm, I do have a, a pretty clear idea of what, I, what I'm trying to solve, and that is the, the whole Rock'em Sock'em Robots thing and the whole idea of hit points and damage and recovery. And I think Into the Odd is a really good system to look at to solve those issues I have with classic D&D. &D. Um, 
uh, just to be clear, into the odd, um, you you don't you do recover hit points even if you have had strength loss. Uh, a short rest, a few minutes of rest, and a swig of water recovers all of the characters' lost hit points. Resting may waste time or attract dam- danger. There's uh, nothing in here about, at least in the. Um, uh, in the original into the hot is what I'm looking at. Uh, and for recovering ability uh, scores, full rest. A full rest requires a week of rest and relaxation at a comfortable location. This restores all ability scores and cures any other ailments. So, yeah, you're, you are correct in that there are, there's, other than Arcana, there's no real way to recover lost attribute points, lost strength that you had in combat, other than natural healing, taking a full rest. Um, and I thought having magic spells in the game, curative magic, like a cure light wounds would restore one lost point of constitution, cure serious wounds might re- uh, heal two or more, I don't know. Um, but the death spiral in into the odd is more that Every time you take strength loss, when your hit points are depleted, you're at a lower level, so to speak. Your attribute is lower, so making that save versus your strength attribute is more difficult when you've had that depleted. So even though you're recovering your hit points after maybe ever after each encounter, if you've been dinged for strength loss, it becomes harder and harder to have to stay in the fight once your your hit points are gone so that's kind of the death spiral in into the odd and eventually forces pcs to take that full rest to recover their lost strength so um yeah i think it's a it's a really cool system and uh would serve as a good um uh you know bridge kind of game to to play oh and the last thing yeah it's auto hit and into the odd for melee and missile weapons there's no uh there's no ability check no roll to hit for missile weapons which is what like i said uh earlier in my reply to michael is one of the things i kind of have problems with um one of the things i was thinking about for an easy fix for me with into the odd missile fire was having it do a die damage your d- damage die minus one for every like range band that you're firing so you know you can score zero hit points if you're using a ranged weapon because even like at short range would be if you're using a, a d8 weapon it would be a d8 minus one so you roll a one that's zero so you're you just flat out missed and long range would be minus two and extreme range minus three or whatever. So, um, that would be a a fairly easy solution or you could have them require a deck save or, or just rolling, uh, a D 20 and having a different target number for each range band or something like that. Uh, I know that goes against the whole philosophy <laughs> of the Chris McDowell games where it's auto hit. You don't have to hit rolls. So this is kind of blasphemy for those games. But yeah, that is kind of a mental stumbling block I have with them. So 
would it work? Yeah, maybe not for for everyone, but it might it might work better for my group too because that was one of the things when we've played into that that they're kind of like this seems pretty weird, but that is because we've been playing <laughs> classic D and D on and off for uh, forty years or whatever. So uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, Thanks for the call, Daniel. I appreciate it. And yeah, keep sending messages. Everyone send messages to bigbalboni at gmail.com and I will play them. I'm still not on Discord, so don't do any of that stuff. Evil Jeff has been trying to get me back on Discord, providing technical help, and I still just keep uh, running into roadblocks there. So yeah, uh, just still not working. And uh, so it's... No Discord for Rob at the moment. Maybe that will change in 2024. Uh, but that's the end of the Into the Box talk, and now Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast is back with a comment on my last episode about uh, using different weapons uh, in classic D&D for those who are verboten. Magic users using things besides daggers clerics using spears and all that fun stuff so let's hear what jason has to say there is no escape human no one to hear your cries give me the pearl and your life may be spared hey rob jason here enjoyed your my magic user attacks with the axe episode and you know it's interesting your solution is very close to the rule cyclopedia solution so in Rules Cyclopedia, it does add in weapon proficiency, but what they do is if you're using a weapon you're not proficient in, you do half damage. So you roll the damage, then divide it by two, which a lot of times will effectively end up being like one to four or less. But so really doing that one to four damage is about the same as Rules Cyclopedia. Now there's no negatives to hit in Rules Cyclopedia if you're not proficient with melee weapons, but with ranged weapons, there are negatives to hit. But I think your solution is perfectly fine. It works, you know, totally well. The If you don't include the rating system, which is fine, I don't think you have to do the XP, you know, no XP for the battle or anything, in, if you're playing AD&D or whatever. I think that the negative to hit is enough. And, and I would love them to do the regular damage, too. But I think the negative to hit is enough. But since you, you know, you're already unhappy with the, the hit percentages, doing the D4 damage does make a lot of sense. So I think that solution is very workable, and I don't see any issue with it at all, to be honest. And, and to be honest, you know, it just depends. Why can't magic users use swords in D&D? Well, it's a balanced thing, because it's a game, right? And we know that. The other thing, of course... That plays into that that you didn't address that probably wouldn't come up in your system but comes up in D&D is magic swords and the magical properties of swords, special abilities of swords. Of course, in OD&D, in the original game, only fighters or fighting men at the time could use magical swords and use those special properties, which kind of gave them a boost up equal to the other magic using classes like clerics and magic users. So what are your thoughts on if a magic user picks up 
a magical sword. And I don't mean like plus four against lycanthropes. I mean like, you know, three times a day can detect traps or something like that. Should they be able to use those magical abilities or should that be restricted to just the fighter class? Curious in your thoughts on that. Can't wait for your next episode. Take care. Hey, thanks again, Jason, for the reply and feedback on that episode. I agree with your assessment of the AD&D end of things. I think the big non-proficiency penalty is penalty enough. And yeah, obviously this is all like game balance stuff. The the weapon and armor restrictions for various classes in classic D&D are game balancing mechanisms that you try and <laughs> put some kind of logic to to explain it. Oh, well, metal interferes with the magic user's ability to cast spells or their the intricate semantic gestures they need to do and stuff. Um, yeah, whatever. It's, it's, it's a game balancing mechanism. Uh, but I, I, I think just doing like a D4 damage for things that are off your, your list kind of solves some of that. And to me, it's no big deal if the magic user uses a sword, if they're only doing a D4 damage with it. The idea of restricting like, uh, these high-end intelligent swords and the magic powers that those possess to just fighters or classes that can use swords and stuff. I, that's fine. I, I personally wouldn't have any issue with it, uh, with a magic user being able to use an intelligent sword um, and the powers that that had. Uh, I, I know, Daniel, in the conversations you had on your own podcast about this, said that in his game, the the intelligent sword just wouldn't respect the magic user enough to allow it to be wielded by them uh, and and give them these benefits and stuff. They're just beneath them because they're not, you know, they're not some warrior that's that's uh, heroic enough to to be worthy to wield the sword and stuff. And that's that's cool. That's a a good explanation for it. Um, but, you know, the whole thing is with divvying up treasure in a party, most most parties I've been involved with in the games, uh, they clearly give magic items to those that can best utilize them. So I just, I, I think it would be very unusual for a magic user to end up with the <laughs> intelligent sword in their possession, unless there was like some kind of near TPK where the fighter who had it died and anyone else that could wield a sword died and the magic users just left with this magic sword. Um, but even then I have a feeling the next, uh, when the, when the players roll up new characters and someone creates a fighter, that magic user character would probably give them the intelligent sword to use. Uh, and likewise, you know, with the wands and stuff, should a fighter or a thief be able to use a, a wand of fireballs if they know the command word? You know, why couldn't they just utter the command word and point it at someone and blast them? Um, I, you could let them and just say that the, the intended target uh, 
gets an improved saving throw, or maybe uh, if they save, it's save for no damage, and if they miss their save, they only take half damage. You know, it's not as effective in the hands of a non-magic user. Uh, but it also works fine just the way it is in the game system, where you just forbid certain classes from using certain items. Um, back to the intelligent wep- um, sword thing, I I think any kind of weapon should be an intel- capable of having those powers. So a magic user, a wizard that's strong enough to, powerful enough to create an intelligent magic sword... Well, why wouldn't they do it with a dagger that they could wield? Um, or do it into a spear or a mace or anything like that. So I know the the literary precedent, you know, Stormbringer and Mornblade and all those things are, are more, uh, are always seem to be swords. But I don't know, maybe in mythology there's other items like that that are different weapon types, but... I, yeah, in my games, it's not just confined. Those those abilities are not just confined to swords. Um, but uh, if you're playing rules as written, or if you're using that tradition, yeah, I'd probably just canvas the 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 group I'm playing with. And you think they should be able to? I personally don't have a problem with it. Like I said, they just those those specialized items always seem to be falling into the hands of those that can best utilize them. So, uh, yeah, it, it seems like it kind of just shakes out in the party economy, so to speak, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Uh, so anyway, that's it for the holiday into the box calling bonanza. Thanks for listening. I hope everyone has a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. This will almost certainly be the last podcast I do for the year until next year. Uh, It seems like every time I kind of uh, outline what I hope to do in the upcoming year, I never, (laughs) I never accomplish it. So I'm not going to even like say what I hope to do in 2024 because yeah, I, I never really accomplish those goals. So I'll just keep what I'm doing, what I'm doing, dropping podcasts when I feel the, uh, the bug to talk or have some kind of new, uh, toy in my hands that I want to talk about or whatever. And you keep doing what you do. Listen, uh, call in with any kind of feedback you have, email me, whatever. Um, but, uh, Thanks for listening, and until I talk to you again, don't go down on a heap.